Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. Super excited to be with you as always, and I am pumped to have Diana Merriam with us. Diana, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So if you guys are not familiar with Diana, she retired from her corporate career at the tender age of 33. She now helps others along the path of financial freedom. She's the founder of the Akana Me Conference, me spelled like you yourself. <laughs> uh, and she is also the host of the Optimal Finance Daily Podcast, which has over 1 million downloads per month, which is awesome. And you need to pick your brain about how you achieve that. <laughs> and on that note, Let's let's dive in because you you had an interesting story where when you discovered the financial independence community, the FIRE community, you had $30,000 of debt, you were not familiar with, you know, this community at all, and within 11 months you knocked all of that out. You went on a, a two-month sabbatical to walk 500 miles across northern Spain on the, the Camino de Santiago. So I want to hear about all of that. So let's let's rewind the clock to where you were when you first discovered the financial independence community, the FIRE community, and what kind of shifted the way that you approach money? Sure. So I would say I spent most of my 20s completely financially illiterate um, because, as you know, no no one learns this in school, right? Absolutely. Some of us are lucky where there, our parents uh, can teach us about money. But um, really, the only thing I knew about money in my 20s is to make more of it. And so I was super focused on growing my career. And I remember I had a, a professor in college who said, if you can hit six figures by 30, then you're like good. And I and so I just always had that in my head. I got to get six figures by 30. And then I did that. Um, but, you know, I find myself at 28. And I start um, really looking at my money situation because I wanted to take this trip. I wanted to go do the Camino. And I assumed that I would have to quit my job. I never had any examples of anyone taking a sabbatical. So I didn't know that that was an option for me. So I thought, well, I got to figure out my money so that I could quit my job and then just kind of like figure out what I'm going to do when I get back from the Camino. And so I started looking at my money and, you know, I was 28 years old. And I knew I had some debt because I was paying the minimums on my credit cards and I had some student loans, but like I didn't really ever look at it collectively. So I ran a credit report on myself and I added it all up and I was 30 grand in debt. And I was like, how did this happen without me even noticing? Right. And, and I was feeling. making, you know, I, I got to that six figure goal that I had. And so I started scratching my head like, okay, if making more money isn't how you're, you could be good at money, then how do you do this? And so I started Googling and, um, actually I think it was a, a friend of mine who sent me an article from Mr. Money Mustache. Before that I had been reading about personal finance on my own, like whatever I could find, but there was just, there was this tone of struggle to it. It was very Dave Ramsey-ish, right? Like you're going to yeah. have to eat rice and beans and be miserable for the rest of your life in order to get out of debt. And like, that just didn't appeal to me. Mind you, at this time, I was spending two to $3,000 a month going out partying, 
right? Yeah. I was having I was having my twenties in New York City. It just what like I wanted to clean up my money, but I wasn't really willing to like make myself miserable in order to do that. And so when I came across Mr. Money Mustache, it was just this like I like to describe it as a refreshing punch in the face. It completely <laughs> changed my mindset around money because he made me realize that I was wasting an incredible opportunity with my money that instead of like wasting money and having nothing to show for it and just like digging myself deeper into debt by not paying attention, money is actually a really powerful resource. And you know, the, there's a phrase that I like to say today, the less materialistic I am, the more, um, idealistic I get to be like, people think it's nuts that I retired at 33, but it's because I just, I was saving and investing 60% of my income after I had this kind of big change of heart at 28 years old. And so, um, what I learned from Mr. Money Mustache first and foremost is that income is not the main determinant of how good you are with money, which was my error in my twenties. It is the gap between your income and your expenses. Wealth is built in the gap. And so the game of money, especially when you're first, when you're first starting out and you're trying to just establish any kind of financial security, which to me means getting out of debt, um, saving that emergency fund, saving, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on your show, but F you money or, okay. F you money or peace out money for the polite among us. Um, and then of course, saving for retirement and hitting certain milestones along the way. You know, you can't do any of those things if you have no gap between your income and your expenses. And really the, the first thing you do with building that gap is just pay attention, just pay attention because most of the time it's like this stuff creeps up on us because we're we're not telling our money where to go. We're just wondering where it went, right? We're not tracking expenses and we're not budgeting. I know I certainly wasn't. And so, um, yeah, this just understanding the gap changed everything for me. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Mr. Money Mustache, I feel like is the classic introduction to the FIRE community for so many people who then go on to become prominent figures themselves in the financial independence movement or community or whatever you want to call it. But I think one of the things that he really got right and that resonated with so many people is that saving more money doesn't have to be this exercise in like sacrifice or pain and suffering, right? That living a more frugal lifestyle can be an end in itself, not just the means to the end of reaching financial independence. So that kind of positive reframing of frugality and spending less and you know, just being happier with the way that you spend your money, even if the the sum total that you spend is, is less than you were spending before. I think that mindset shift itself is one of the greatest things that that he gave the financial independence community. Uh, and you're yeah. right about Dave Ramsey, by the way, you know, it, it's one size fits all. And it doesn't mean that his advice is bad. I mean, it's not bad for, for most people, you know, his seven baby steps is, is perfectly fine. It's just cookie cutter and it's for everybody and it and it doesn't address some of those mindset shifts yeah. that are so important. So you know, I know you talk a lot about money mindset and some of the, the ways to shift the way that you think about money for oversized results. So talk us through some of those aha moments that you've had or some of the, the mindset shifts around money that have made a huge impact for you and for your finances. Yeah. Well, 
I think that one of the things you make a good point about Mr. Money Mustache, but I think one of the things that people misunderstand, and I got this wrong initially too, is he makes a lot of strong statements about how you're supposed to live in order to like spend less money. But he is very gung ho on like, you should bike everywhere, salads and barbells. Like he's very, very opinionated and feels very strongly about the way he lives his life because it works so well for him. And so when I first started reading, like he makes a lot of sense. And so I bought a bike and I was living in New York City at the time and I'm trying to ride this bike around New York City. I hated it. And not get it. hit I by cars. I hated it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like not into it at all. Now, granted, like I didn't have a car. I lived in New York City. I was taking the subway everywhere and I had like a um, tax advantaged um, travel kind of program through my employer. So I was doing really well on like an unlimited subway pass. I didn't take a lot of cabs and I walked a ton. So like I was already really optimizing on travel expenses. You know, we all know that, you know, homes, cars and food are kind of the three bi biggest expenses. I was optimizing on the car travel situation and um, it transportation, I guess I should say, rather than travel, because that's insinuating that I'm like gallivanting around the world. No, just transportation to and from work and like just the everyday life. Right. And so I think that's what the issue is. When you read a blog like that, you have to understand that every person has a different set of skills, preferences, and circumstances that you can leverage in different ways to make your money work for you. If you try to copy the way someone else is doing it, I think that's where people get led into this spirit of deprivation. Like, I hated my life when I was riding my bike everywhere. <laughs> I did not, it wasn't for me. And so rather than being like, oh, I'm failing at being a good mustachian, I just decided to say, okay, I tried something that seemed like a good idea. It didn't suit my preferences. How can I use my own creativity to just spend less than I earn and invest the difference? That is the only thing I think we all agree on in the FIRE movement and within personal finance in general. The only rule that matters is spend less than you earn and invest the difference. And there are a million ways that you could do that. You don't have to ride a bike. You don't have to cook every meal you eat. You just have to figure out, you know, how do I, how do I take that gap and leverage it and utilize it and deploy that gap in a way that makes sense for my life. And so I guess that to me is a mindset shift, right? Taking ownership over your own money and the way you manage your money. You can learn financial literacy from other people, but the way you apply it to your life is almost like art. It's not a perfect science. You have to apply these concepts as the artist, the creator of your own life and take ownership of that. You know, I, I, I'm getting like on my soapbox about this because I see so many people complaining online about I'm so miserable pursuing fire. Well, then I'm sorry, but you're doing it wrong. You are the one <laughs> making the decision to be miserable, right? And so if you don't want to cook every meal, if you don't want to ride bikes, if you don't want to do X, Y, or Z, then don't do it, but figure out a way to reduce your expenses and increase your income and increase that gap and, and make just paying attention to your money a habit. Um, yeah. So that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, one, one thing that we talk about all the time on this show and that I personally love to talk about is just bringing that intentionality 
to your your finances you know, and on the, the income side too you know intentionality on what you do for work and how you earn money and also on the spending side to your point you know just being aware of every dollar you're spending and making sure that you're getting the maximum you know return on happiness you know for that mm-hmm. spending money uh, because you're right. I mean, there is, there's no formula for every single person and how they should sa- save money. I mean, my, my family and I spend most of the year overseas and we end up with free housing through my wife's job. That's, that's not a, a solution for the average person, right? The average person doesn't want to you know, live in South America. Uh, we enjoy it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just you want to bring that thoughtfulness to it and that intentionality about what is the ideal spending pattern for you to save less money for you without being miserable about it. Uh, because yeah, biking is not for everybody. I like it, but it's not for everybody, right? And even Mr. Money Mustache, I mean, if you if you hear some of the interviews with him where he takes off his, you know, MMM hat, mm-hmm. yeah, he that divisiveness in his in, in his style of, of speaking and writing is totally intentional, right? I mean, he's actually like this mild-mannered mannered guy who's just a nice guy. But you know, as part of his marketing strategy is to be divisive and to make these really aggressive comments, you know, that either attract the right kind of people or, you know, repel some of the people who aren't a good fit for his audience anyway. Um, but either way, it spurs thought, right? And that's, that's to your point, you know, just spurring thought, you know, bringing thoughtfulness to it. So anyway, I'd love to hear about any other mindset shifts that have been mm. really meaningful to you before we get into some of the more nitty gritty, hands-on, practical kind of personal sure. finance tips that have been effective for you. Well, I'll say that after I retired, especially, and even before that, you know, I think that there are phases that you go through when it goes when it comes to your relationship with money. And so when I first started, I had 30 grand of debt. I needed to be a little bit aggressive in like cleaning up my act, right? And so I went through this period of time, 11 months essentially, of being super strict. I was like tracking every single dollar I spent. I was budgeting down to the penny. You know, every two weeks when I got paid, I would go in and I'd put money towards debt. I didn't automate anything. Um, you know, I wanted to like make sure that I was really paying attention. And that served me very well for that specific period of time when I was in that specific situation of being in debt. But then I moved into a period of saving and investing 60% of my income. All of a sudden, my gap between my income and expenses got enormous. And so the idea of tracking every dollar down to the penny and budgeting so strictly and just like, I kind of drove myself a little, I was a little neurotic about the way I was managing my money after my situation no longer warranted it. And so I think that the goal of money ultimately is to get yourself to a financial position where you just don't think about it anymore. Like I, I get it that I talk about money every day, but I don't actually, I'm not, I I'm tracking expenses, but I look, I'm tracking it. So I get a total number at the end of the year of how much I spent. I'm not putting it into categories. I'm not budgeting. I have such a large, like I, I'm, not, I'm past that phase in my financial journey where I have to be so diligent. I'm in the relaxation phase, right? And I think that you have to kind of graduate past the questions of how do I increase my expenses and, re, you know, increase my income and reduce my expenses and invest the gap. Those are your initial questions when it comes to money. But over time, when you solve those questions and you increase that gap to um, a pretty comfortable amount. Now you can start asking some more interesting questions, I think, which is 
what do I want to do with my time? Who do I want to spend it with? What do I want to create in the world? Because ultimately, money is just a tool to go and build something with, right? And so what I think we confuse, we, we act like money is a goal rather than a tool. We think that our goal is to sit on top of a big pile of money. And I don't think that's what we should be achieving, right? And I know so many people that are sitting on top of millions of dollars and they won't let themselves spend any of it because they their only goal was to acquire money. And I don't I think money is only as valuable as your clarity on how you're going to use it and your comfort level of how much is enough. And so if you don't have clarity and comfort around your money, you actually aren't um, realizing the true value of money. And you're just sitting on a bunch of paper, essentially. Um, And so that I think is kind of like the next phase. After you get yourself to financial security, it doesn't even need to be full financial independence. You know, I I retired from my corporate career when I reached Coast Fi, which is a um, kind of a milestone on the path to, path to Fi, where my retirement accounts, I basically front loaded my traditional retirement. So my retirement investment accounts had enough where if I didn't contribute one more dollar in 30 years when I tap into that money, it's going to have grown to what I need at that age when I start drawing down. I'm not going to touch this money for decades. I'm basically letting compound interest do the rest of my work, the work for me on my retirement savings. And I just have to work a little bit to cover my expenses. And I do that on four hours of paid work per week. And the rest of my, yeah, the rest of my time, I'm just like gallivanting about and like running this conference, the economy conference, which makes me no money. It's a lot of work, but to me, it's a passion project. It's like a hobby business. It's what I do with my time. It's what I want to create in the world. It allows me to get on podcasts like this and just run my mouth. Right. And so, (laughs) so that to me is like, you know, I got myself to a certain level of financial freedom where I bought myself the ability to ask bigger questions. I think people wait till too long to do that. They wait until they get to 25 times their yearly expenses. And then they start to ask themselves, well, what do I want to do with my life? Because I've been making myself miserable for 10 years trying to hit a financial goal. I think we need to be less fixated on a financial goal and more have a broader perspective on the role that money plays in our lives. Well, there's so much there <laughs> that, I, that I love. Sorry, so I'm very verbose. No, I love it. I love it. It's perfect. Yeah, so I, I I like sort of the the framework that you're introducing that in that there are almost like levels of or, or chapters in your your progress towards financial independence, and that that initial chapter is maybe a, a sprint, right, in trying mm-hmm. to get control over your spending, you know, tracking every dollar, figuring out, you know, where where's the leakage, right, in in your budget. Um, and you do kind of need a certain intensity around that. And it's not so much fun, right? You know, that level of scrutiny and, and you know, trying to track every single dollar. But you quickly get to a point where you can get away from some of that. You can start automating your budget, automating your savings, automating your investments. And it is a, you, you reach that next milestone and, you know, that next chapter in the pursuit of five, which is a lot more fun. And you start opening up these questions of lifestyle design and intentionality you know, I feel like a lot of people hate that term lifestyle design. They think mm-hmm. it's pompous and pretentious, but I actually do like it uh, as a, a way of referring to just being completely intentional about designing your ideal life, you know, from what you do for work to how you spend your your time and your free time and, you know, your your 
marital situation and and you know where you live geographically and how many hours you work and you know do you uh, can you work remotely from anywhere in the world all of that stuff those all fall under that that category of lifestyle design so anyway <laughs> I well love i it. will say this brian if i had to do it all over again i wouldn't save 60 percent of my income i would save 30 percent of my income and i'd spend the other 30 percent investing and figuring out who who i am and what i like you know what I mean? Like it took me a long time to allow myself to spend money on personal development. And, you know, like I just did something last month called the Hoffman process. That was the most profound and transformative experience of my life. And I got wow. a scholarship to go. So it was like, I paid like 2,700 for a week. Full price is like 5,700, something like that. I think they're undercharging. I mean, to spend that little amount of money to completely change your life, take it, like take my money. Right. But I spent, like, I would have never allowed myself to do something like that when I was in such a like scarcity mindset. I really do feel that the fire movement is rooted in scarcity because the question that's being asked is how much money do I need to save in order to feel safe? And there is no amount of money that you can save that will make you feel safe. That's an inside job, right? Yeah. And um, we're, I think we're asking our money to do way more emotional labor than it's capable of doing. And, um, you know, so I just, I feel grateful that I'm, I'm at the place where I'm at now, where I have a much more abundance mindset to back to your question of how your mindset shifted. Um, I think it's like that scarcity mindset does help you reach certain financial goals, but the skills that get you to FI are not the same skills that are going to help you enjoy FI. And so I think we kind of have to shed some of these old ways of scarcity mindset thinking in order to actually like enjoy what we built. We work so hard to reach a financial goal and then we continue to torture ourselves, <laughs> you know, for what? Um, it's just money. It really is. And it's funny, like I'm looking at the title of this episode you have up here, ditching your baggage around money. I'll say <laughs> this. I'll say this because I know like we're coming up on time and I talk too much. But the thing that I love about money and why I'm so interested in it and not the technical aspects of money management, that stuff to me is so easy. But the reason why it's hard is because of the emotional aspect of money, right? If we can handle the emotional side of things, where the technical aspect of managing money is like easy peasy. You can learn it but, in the afternoon. I mean, true. Right. Really. Um, but here's the thing. There's so much shame and embarrassment about like, I made mistakes with my money or I don't make a lot of money or, you know, we confuse our net worth with our self-worth. There's just so much there emotionally around money. But think of it this way. Money is the only thing in life that you can completely screw up and still be okay. Like you could think about how many times Trump has filed for bankruptcy and that man's doing fine, right? I mean, we can have our, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't mention him specifically because there's a lot of opinions about Trump. But well, like, everyone knows who he not, is at least. <laughs> everyone knows who he is, right? He's not destitute on the side of the road, right? And so you could go bankrupt and you could rebuild because your your sense of security is not in your in your bank account. It is in your skill set. It is in your experience. It is in, you know, um, the amazing intellect and creativity that you have to figure things out. And so I think that we just need to relax. We need to let go of this baggage and this shame and this embarrassment about money and recognize that 
It is the only thing in life that you can completely screw up and be totally fine. You cannot say that about your relationships. You can't say that about your health. In those areas, you can do irreparable damage. With no money, you cannot. It is an impersonal, dispassionate tool. That's all it is. Yeah, and it is the ultimate renewable resource, right? You can yeah. always go out and earn more money. You can't mm -hmm. go out and add more time onto the end of your life, right? I mean, you know, being healthy helps, but but we all have a finite amount of time yeah. left in our lifespan. We don't know how much time, but that's a finite resource. Money is not. It's a renewable resource. And uh, yeah, so I, I love your approach there. And I think you're right. I mean, a, a lot of the FIRE community is kind of built around that scarcity mindset, which does help you in that initial phase, right? When you're trying to retake control of your money, but then you quickly graduate on to an, another phase in the pursuit of financial independence, where that mindset becomes more of a hindrance than a help. And, you know, as, as they say in entrepreneurship, you know, what got you here won't get you there. Mm -hmm. And you need to keep leveling up your game as you go. Fortunately, this is the fun stuff to level up on, right? Definitely. And it's so funny to me how, like, if you look at the FIRE community, the kind of person that's attracted to this super niche interest, it's they're incredibly talented and successful people. The idea that you're going to retire, let's say we're wrong. Let's say I'm wrong about my numbers for whatever reason. You know, I look back at my corporate career. I made my clients $50 million in my corporate career. Do you really think that if I, if I needed some money, I couldn't figure out how to make more? You know, it's <laughs> like people think that when they retire early, that they're like signing a blood oath to never make <laughs> money again. And so they better be right about their financial planning. And it's like, I just think we need to relax because it's kind of laughable when you think about it like that. The, the FIRE community is built, is made of the most talented, um, intelligent, creative people you'll ever meet. You're going to figure it out and you're going to be fine. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I have, I have interviewed dozens, maybe hundreds of people who have reached financial independence and, you know, quote, retired early. You know, most of them in real estate because, you know, this is a show mostly about real estate investing, but they all went back to work, right? Because there's only so long you can sit on the beach and sip pina coladas. You get bored mm -hmm. after a week or two. So what do you do after you retire young? You go back to work, but you do it on your own terms, doing something that you're passionate about, something you're excited about, you know, like you with yeah. your economy. Uh, you don't worry that... about the money part of it. I mean, I don't think retirement is about not working. I think it's from it's about separating your finances from your work. And so yeah. I spend a lot of time working on the economy conference. I don't make any money off of it. And, and what a luxury that is. You know, people don't feel bad for me that I'm like working for free. What a luxury that is to be able to create what I want to see in the world and not have to worry about being compensated for it. You know, luxury. it's like, I mean, that, that makes me feel like a billionaire. Think about like, you know, billionaires and they're, you know, they're creating charities and they're, they're doing whatever they want in the world. Do you think they sit there and go, but is this going to make me money? Maybe some of them because they're <laughs> greedy. Right. But like, do you think that's what's driving their decision? Am I going to be fairly compensated for my time? No, because they're sitting on a huge pile of money. And I, I love the, like the be to, to speak about mindset, like to put myself in that position of like money does not drive my decisions. I I'm driven by something else. Yeah. Well, on that note, I mean, tell us a little bit about the economy conference and, and what your, your passion project is. What are you working on right now? And, and if people are interested in attending or, or being involved in it, you know, tell us all about it. Sure. So uh, the economy conference is actually the largest gathering of fire enthusiasts in the world. We get about Ooh. 500 people that 
descend upon Cincinnati, Ohio in March. And so the next event is March 15th through 17th of 2024. You can buy your tickets now. We're actually at about 77% capacity. So if you're interested in going, I would giddy up. Also, you're going to have a hard time finding accommodations because we have now filled two entire hotels, two entire hotels of people excited to talk about like money and lifestyle design, even though that's a, that's a scary word for people. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, so economy exists to to solve two problems for people on the path to five. The first is that it's a lonely endeavor for a lot of us, right? Your family thinks you're weird. To tell people I save 60% of my income, people are like, what? Like, I don't understand, right? It's a it's a very niche interest. And so to put yourself in the room with other people who get you, it's like there's this easy sense of camaraderie that forms between people headed towards a common goal. And so the tagline of the event is Phi is better with friends because if I'm going to retire early, I need someone to hang out with, right? And so like I think about my hiking buddy who... I see probably more than anyone else. And she retired at 36, you know? And so um, you got to have five friends. So that's the first issue. And the second thing is, you know, five is kind of a boring pursuit when you, like, after you optimize all the things, right? So initially when I, like, read the Mr. Money Mustache blog, there was a lot of excitement around reducing my expenses, increasing my income, investing the difference, tracking my numbers. You know, you're reading a lot. Everything's new and exciting. But like five, eight years in, you're in the boring middle. You're working your plan, but you're kind of uninspired. You're reading the same things over and over online. It's not interesting anymore. And so you come to economy to like refuel your fire, right? And get yourself engaged in this pursuit um, in a way that maybe you hadn't been before. Because I really challenge myself to bring in content that isn't the same old, same old that you read in the fire movement, right? I'm bringing in people from the periphery of the fire movement that are maybe going to help you learn something new, right? Because this audience is incredibly well-read. So I have I have quite the task to do that. Um, and yeah, I mean, over 30% of the economy audience is already fi and retired. So they're coming wow. to just like talk about things like lifestyle design, talk about purpose and what do I want to do with this newfound time and resources that I have. Um, and then about 60% of the audience are kind of in that messy missile, messy middle. And a lot of them come to get like validation on their numbers um, in addition to community. And then about 5% are I would say just getting started. I don't market to them. Five I curious. Five curious. Yeah. I, I don't market to them because I believe like if you're in debt, do not spend money on coming to economy. There are so yeah. many free resources online for you to figure out your debt. Like you come to economy when I think when you're a little bit further along. Um, but again, 5% of the audience is just starting out. I would say that overlaps with the 20% of the audience that's over 50. Because if you got a late start, you kind of have to be a little aggressive to ever retire. Oh, yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of the demographics of, of who comes. But we've got main stage speech, uh, speakers. We've got two-hour deep dive workshops. We've got breakout sessions and then a ton of social activities. So it's a fully immersive three-day event um, in Cincinnati, March 15th through 17th. And you can get your ticket at economyconference.com. And again, that's economy with an E at the end, not a Y. That's right. Uh, we'll, we'll put that link in the comments here as well. Uh, Diana, any final thoughts that you want to leave the audience with before we uh, call it a wrap? Ah, 
Well, you know, I think I, I think I gave him everything I got, Brian. <laughs> I, I really Left I, everything like, on the field. That's that's I, a good feeling. I've just been running my mouth here for I'm looking at 31 minutes now. So yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> well, Diana, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a fun conversation. And you guys, if you enjoy these conversations, please give us a, a happy rating, review, whatever, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. It makes the world of difference to us. And we will catch you next week. In the meantime, bye now. Did you know we offer a free eight video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.